0: It's Wednesday, March 20th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is the Daily Dive. An update in the Robert Kraft prostitution solicitation case. Prosecutors have offered to drop charges against Kraft and 24 other men, but there's a big catch. The proposed agreement calls for the men to admit they would have been proven guilty at trial. While this may be an option for some involved, the stakes are higher for Kraft who still has to deal with the NFL. My producer Miranda joins us for this proposed deal. Next, it is the most expensive, active HOA case of its type in the country right now. Legal fees for both parties total almost $1 million. The case revolves around a wall, a decorative wall built around a plant bed on the side of Jim Hildenbrand's house. Jim Carlton, reporter for the Wall Street Journal, joins us for this crazy story. Finally, some news out of the retail and e-commerce world. New Data Out proves just how strong the hold Amazon has over its consumers. When consumers are ready to buy a product, 74% of them go straight to Amazon before anywhere else. Lauren Thomas, retail reporter at CNBC, joins us for that, and also why you might be spending more time on Instagram. You can now buy items you see directly from the app. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. It's hard to say that any one person is being targeted when there have been 25 arrests. It is crazy to think that we're targeting one person when Mr. Kraft got caught up in the midst of a larger sting that netted hundreds of people through many different counties. Usually when cases like this, you have diversion programs and other ways to uh, dispose of the case. Ultimately, the sentence is up to the judge. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. We have an update on the whole Robert Kraft prostitution charges after he was caught at the Orchids of Asia day spa. The Palm Beach State Attorney's Office has offered Robert Kraft and 24 other men charged with soliciting prostitution what they call the standard diversion program offered to first-time offenders. For this, they will drop all the charges, but there's one big catch. And while it might fly with a lot of them, for Robert Kraft, I'm not 100% sure if this will fly. What do we know about these details, Miranda?
1: The proposed agreement calls for the men caught to admit that they would have been proven guilty at trial. And along with this comes completion of an education course about prostitution. They have to go through 100 hours of community service. And this is interesting. They have to get screened for STI, sexually transmitted infections. And we'll get into why in a minute. And then they have to pay some court
0: costs. Yeah, I think those are about $5,000 per count. So in Robert Kraft's situation, he had two counts on him. It would be $10,000 he had to pay. Nothing. But- That thing, that admission about being proven guilty, they say that the prosecutors would present them with the details and they'd basically be able to look over it and say, okay, yeah, you would have caught me. I would have been guilty. But then the charges are dropped. But, I mean, that really saves a lot of people time, money, the energy to go through all this stuff. But as we know, Robert Kraft is a special situation. He still has to contend with the punishment from the NFL. A lot of these other guys, normal guys, $5,000 and you're done, charges drop. That's probably a really good deal. But for Robert Kraft, if he admits guilt, I mean that has all sorts of other ramifications with the NFL.
1: He has a lot more to lose. The NFL has a much lower threshold than beyond a reasonable doubt, as we have to have the burden of proof in a courtroom of law. And that's what's so interesting about this is one of the lawyers who's not associated with it, legal experts are raising questions about the tactics used by the Jupiter Florida police in obtaining the search warrants for the investigation. There was the false pretense of Pulling Robert Kraft as a passenger over in a Bentley to verify his identity. They're saying that that could get all of the charges dropped. There are a lot of things here that are kind of iffy with the case.
0: We're talking about these traffic stops, and that could be a big point of contention. They said that Robert Kraft was identified in a traffic stop after his first visit on January 19th when he was the passenger in the vehicle. As we know, he went twice the very next day. How do you go back after you've already been? I mean, obviously, they didn't bust him right then because it's just they wanted to verify who it was, but... He got busted <laughs> by the cops and went back the very next day. That's Dude,
1: that's crazy people, to me. Billionaires are above the law. Don't you know
0: that? Right. I guess so.
1: The Jupiter Police Department began their investigation in October. This is according to affidavits in January. And they installed covert surveillance equipment. Men who visited the spas, including Mr. Kraft, were seen engaging in sex acts and identified after their visits on the traffic stop. So this was like their M.O. This is how they were able to positively ID these guys, because you don't have to, like, give your ID when you go get your, quote, massage, end quote. They said that they saw Mr. Kraft enter the Orchids of Asia day spa, pay cash, receive sex acts. And they were getting these sex acts, Oscar, without any kind of protection. There were no gloves used. There were no condoms used.
0: Yeah, this is a warning for all the guys who are into this kind of thing. Once the investigation started proceeding, they were putting a lot of the pieces together and they realized that a lot of these women were working in slave-like conditions as sex workers and all that stuff. They found out that these women were not offered health care, but they were also not given access to a shower. And a lot of times they were involved in sexual acts with an average of 15 men per day without condoms. So... No showers, 15 guys a day. These are the things that you're possibly in line for if this is kind of up your alley.
1: And that explains the addendum to all of the charges and stuff where they have to go and get tested for
0: STIs. Right, exactly. What was the first thing that tipped them off? Right. Uh, So authorities got tipped off that somebody went to one of these day spas and they saw a bunch of suitcases laying around. Right away they think, uh, suitcases in a day spa, Weird. Weird, maybe not a traveler. It looks like it could be from the ladies. Then they went on to notice that a lot of the workers at the day spas were speaking certain dialects of Chinese masseuses in Florida are licensed after an exam that is only administered in English and Spanish. So they right away they were thinking a lot of these were false licenses that were given out.
1: They then got police access to bank accounts through subpoenas and other financial records of the spa operators. And from there, they were able to see the shifting of $20 million back and forth between the day spa owners and someone in China. So that's a lot of money that's being moved around. And so as the investigation broadened, it just spread. All over Florida, from one spot to another, there were a ton of different locations involved.
0: I think they said about 300 men have been charged and 10 massage parlors have been closed in multiple counties between Palm Beach and Orlando as part of this big crackdown. So it is a wider ranging investigation. But just with regards to Robert Kraft's involvement, he's probably the most high profile name involved in this so far. And as I said, it's the big question is what the NFL is going to do. It's just a misdemeanor charge, these solicitation charges. But as we talked about previously in the podcast, when Colts owner, Jim Ursay had a, a misdemeanor DUI, they fined him 500 grand and suspended him six games. That's a big deal. So What will they do to Robert Kraft, especially considering all the bad news that the NFL has gone through with their players and regards to women, domestic violence issues, all sorts of stuff.
1: And the league has said that they would take appropriate action as warranted based on the facts. Robert Kraft still maintains his innocence. And the league has previously disciplined players in cases where they were not prosecuted. So even if the charges are dropped and the NFL finds him to be guilty, he's in for it. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar.
2: Case Oscars, they may go to the Kansas Supreme Court before it's over with I mean, it's like seven years nearly a million dollars in legal fees there was another ruling came down and both sides are appealing and there's just really no in inside it's, it's, it's crazy joining
0: us now is Jim Carlton reporter for The Wall Street Journal we've all heard some really horrible stories about living somewhere where and having to deal with their HOA their homeowners association I mean there's some benefits to it they help maintain the house all that good stuff but if you run afoul of them you might start to hate them pretty quickly. We're going to talk about this story about uh, the most expensive active HOA case of this type in the country right now. It's consumed nearly $1 million in legal fees and it's all centering around a decorative wall around some flowers. At, his name is Jim Hildenbrand and uh, some, uh, a little wall that he tried to put up around some flowers and now he's been fighting with the HOA for so long over this. Tell us about this story.
2: This is just uh, really a classic HOA from Haiti story, really, that in, in the minds of some people. And this guy, Jim Hildenbrand, uh, he decided to seek a quieter life in Kansas, moved from Iowa to Kansas in 2012. And among other things, he wanted to put up a, about a 70-foot decorative wall to just kind of enhance the landscaping. And that's where everything just kind of went south. He spent about $20,000 on the wall and the landscaping. And as you alluded to, Oscar, the fees now are almost $1 million, believe it or not. I mean, he himself has spent roughly $400,000 in legal fees fighting his HOA. They spent over 400000 fighting him. And his house is worth like four hundred and fifty. So, I mean, that's crazy. So, <laughs> you know,
0: I, he talks about how it's his right to have this wall and it's his duty to fight this. Like, he's, I have to do this. I got to fight this HOA is like a dictatorship. And he has to get over it.
2: He has really made this his cause. I mean, at one point, he was actually kind of emotional about it, but he didn't just start with the wall. He moved in, and I think the first morning he got letters from the HOA saying you can't park your vehicle in the driveway overnight. He was doing so because his garage was filled with stuff. He was still moving in. He had some um, flower pots that he put in the wrong place on the driveway. He had a St. Francis statue that he put in a front flower garden in violation of the the covenants and the rules and whatnot, and um, he ended up getting fines for those as well. And then his satellite dish. He wanted to put his satellite dish next his house kind of out of the way. And they said, no, it has to go in the middle of the yard. There's some rule there, it has to go in the middle of the yard. He fought them to the end of Earth on that one. And then the wall came up like a year later.
0: <laughs> it's just funny because, I mean, they had to get, the FCC had to get involved basically and said, The HOA has no purview over where the satellite dishes go. And that's how they dropped that one right there. Back to the current problem that's going on. The HOAs always give you a big set of rules that you have to follow. All the houses look uniform, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. In his case, he said they did give him the rules. He initialed it, but he said he didn't realize what it was. And that's the big problem. You always got to read these rules because there's a lot of stuff that you might not be happy with. And yeah. this is one of those cases right there. Although he maintains that it never said anything yeah. about a wall. He said he was
2: at the closing and there was a lot of documents. Like, I mean, anybody who's bought a home knows you get a lot of documents and you don't necessarily sign through everything. You just, you just kind of initial, initial, and you have time to look at it later. And I think when he was looking at it later, he's looking at like, oh, that's interesting. It's like, you know, 50 pages of rules. So I just don't think that really hit him what he was signing until it was too late.
0: Right now, he pays a monthly fee of $185 to the HOA. He's on his third attorney. We're talking about just how much money has gone into this. He's on his third attorney with this specific fight.
2: Yeah, so he had one attorney for the uh, FCC satellite dish. Then he got another attorney to go to round one in Kansas District Court in Olathe, Kansas. Then they got a third attorney to go into the Court of Appeals. This case, Oscar, they may go to the Kansas Supreme Court before it's over with. I mean, it's like seven years, nearly a million dollars in legal fees. There was another ruling came down, and both sides are appealing. And there's just really no end in sight. It's, it's, it's crazy.
0: What was the last legal action that had been taken? You said it might go to the Kansas Supreme Court. What's the next step? Where are we at in this whole fight?
2: We're getting a very legal you know lawyerly arguments about what, what is faith versus bad faith you know I mean, you think you know one of the decisions was that a lower court didn't adequately analyze what constituted good faith in terms of you know the board the HOA said they acted in good faith that they can't you know let this guy have a wall like this and, and then enforce the rules on everyone else we can't have an out, you know outlier uh, we have to enforce the rules so the court was going to look at that and so I mean it's just that, that's one of the issues there's the
0: those others. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, so comical when you hear about HOA fights. A lot of times, you know, they seem so petty—the details that you're fighting over. In, in this case, like I said, it's a, just a tiny decorative wall around uh, the, where the flowers go. But you know, then we get over—I mean, close to a million dollars being spent in this. Uh, just uh, just because I love these other two examples you threw in there. Uh, there was an 18-month battle. This is a different HOA cases, but there was an 18-month battle with a disabled veteran. Whose emotional support dog was six pounds over the thirty-five pound limit? That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, um, this one maybe more so. Uh, uh, more had more reasoning for the HOA. A homeowner had an unapproved pool house and a tiki hut. So okay, that's kind of big deal. Maybe you got to get rid of those. But I, I just I, I saw the headline for this one, and yeah. I was immediately we had to talk to you, Jim, just to find out details for this. So thank you yes, for joining crazy. us.
2: Well, yeah. well, just be careful. Be careful what you do with your HOA.
0: <laughs> Jim Carlton, reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us.
3: This is going to cater to the younger audience because they're on their phones and scrolling and and probably spend, you know, maybe hours on Instagram each day. And just, it'll be dangerous once you get your credit card hooked up (laughs) and and connected, you know, just how easy it's going to be to shop now from within that app.
0: Joining us now is Lauren Thomas, retail reporter for CNBC. We're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, retail world, the e-commerce world specifically And uh, some interesting data that just came out about Amazon. I mean, we talk about Amazon a lot. They're one of the biggest companies. Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men. Anything that they do really reverberates throughout the retail industry. And right now we're finding out just how much dominance they really have in this world. A new study says that when people are ready to buy a specific product, 74% of them go straight to Amazon to do it. And really, a lot of other retailers need to be worried about this. What do we know?
3: Amazon obviously is a dominant player and increasingly so I think in the world of retail and this data that, that came out there's a new study by a company known as Speedvisor which kind of helps brands behind the scenes grow their online platforms but they surveyed thousands of shoppers in the U.S. and put out this study that just kind of reinforced I guess how big Amazon really is and, and reinforces the fact that if you are trying to be a retailer today and, and compete with them just that threat is huge and I think growing. Some of the statistics were pretty staggering just looking at how many people are not even considering other alternatives when they're looking to buy something online, but really just going directly to Amazon. Like you said, nearly three quarters of people surveyed said they just, when they know what they need to buy online, they're going straight to Amazon, not even checking another website. So I think that the fact that the company has just kind of amassed that notoriety and and kind of reputation online, it's huge. There's no denying it. Certainly a lot of these other retailers and even some of the big companies Like Walmart and Target have to be cognizant of this, and and we're seeing them try so many different things just to compete.
0: Amazon is expected to account for 52.4% of the e commerce market by the end of the year, they're saying. And increasingly, you know, shoppers are getting more comfortable with buying their stuff on their smartphones. I'm still a little old. I like to break out the laptop for it just because, you know, you can see the screen is bigger. You can see a little bit more in there. But with regards to people going there first for their products, you get in your head, I want to buy something. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever this widget is. You go to Amazon, it'll give you different brands and different prices. So it's uh, that price comparison thing. It's hard to beat right off the bat. And the big key to a lot of Amazon success is this prime membership. It it really is a killer deal. It's about 13 bucks a month, but you get that free two day shipping. You get quick delivery in certain zip codes. You get that prime video. So it's kind of like a a Netflix light. You get music stuff. So it's a good deal. And it just increases the loyalty that Amazon has from its consumer base.
3: Exactly. And so last year, we got the first disclosure, I guess, from Amazon when they said that they had more than 100 million prime members globally. So that's kind of the one number that we have now to go off of and kind of guesstimate, okay, where are they today and and where are they growing to? Separately, just within the U.S., I know there's a consensus is that, and we don't have an exact number from Amazon confirming this, but supposedly about half of all households in the U.S. are prime members, which is just kind of crazy to think about that there's a 50% chance that it, right. if you're uh, yeah, a homeowner in the U.S., that you have a Prime account. And yeah, I think that when Amazon came out and bought Whole Foods, now you can get another perk of the Prime membership as you get discounts when you go grocery shopping at Whole Foods. So I think that they will continue to add more incentives to the the platform, I think, just to make it more appealing and kind of... Because this, I think their secret sauce is once they get you in, they get you... Paying that, whether you're doing the monthly fee or the annual fee, you buy a lot more on the website.
0: Another interesting side note to this e commerce and retail industry is mm-hmm. Instagram is now expanding their shopping capabilities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are already being inspired by, I mean, this is going to be huge with the influencer crowd, I I can only imagine.
3: So there are only just about 20 brands, I think, that are kind of trialing this, where you will see a post from Nike, as one example, and you'll be able to just buy a product directly from that post. So uh, some of the companies trying this are Adidas, Nike, like I mentioned, we've got some apparel retailers like Zara and H&M, Warby Parker, Kylie Cosmetics, which obviously has grown and (laughs) amassed this huge following on social media, so I think that will be really interesting to watch the success of that and just how well that does. Yeah, I think it's really this is going to cater to the younger audience or younger, you know, millennial shoppers without a doubt because they're on their phones and scrolling and and probably spend, you know, maybe hours on Instagram each day and just it'll be dangerous once you get your credit card hooked <laughs> up and, right, and connected, exactly. you know, just how easy it's going to be to shop now from within that app. So. I mean
0: from the descriptions you basically click the item it's going to bring you yep. a price and then you click through again, and then you can put in your information and buy it from there. I
3: think for many reasons, Instagram makes sense to, to be more of this hub for commerce. Maybe they can be more successful here than they have been with their efforts on back on Facebook. But like you said, I mean, it's hard to distance the two because you can't forget, obviously, the troubles that, that Facebook has gone through within just the past few months. Certainly treading on thin ice there. <laughs>
0: Lauren Thomas, retail reporter for CNBC, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts the Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.